So Money Episode 192, Julie Parker. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hey, everyone. You're listening to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Today's guest is coming to us all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Her name is Julie Parker, and she is one of Australia's foremost life and business coaches and trainers. Julie is a self-made woman. She was raised by a single mother on welfare. She started her career as a social worker, earning, she says, just above the minimum wage, And since then, she has become a life coach and has really grown a very, very successful business. She has had 16 years of experience in coaching and has inspired hundreds of clients and thousands of people. In 2014, she started her own company called The Beautiful You Coaching Academy, and it has quickly grown into a $500,000 per year business. Julie has also appeared in Daily Worth, Elle Magazine, Cosmo, and Vogue, and is also a TEDx speaker and published author. And she also publishes a magazine, an online magazine called Inspired Coach. She was really, really kind and generous. And she reached out to me a few months ago, several months ago, and asked me to be uh, in the magazine. And she put me on the cover I've never been on the cover of anything, and this was such an honor. So I wanted to um, bring her on the show, not just to um, pay her back in some way, but really to put a spotlight on her because she is up to some amazing things, and people need to know more about her. Several takeaways. The most pivotal money memory in Julie's life growing up. It was kind of a sad experience at the time, but definitely helped her become the incredible woman that she is today how being generous has helped her grow her business. And speaking of growing the business, we discussed that time Julie earned over six figures in one day. Yep. Julie is a testament that it is more than possible to change your money genes and lineage while also having a career focused on helping others. Please, let's give a warm welcome to Julie Parker. Julie Parker, welcome to So Money. What time is it now where you are? It is now 11.30 in the morning here in Melbourne, Australia. And it's a beautiful winter's morning too. A winter? Yes. Okay, I don't know my geography that well. I I just was sort of taken back by the time difference, but I didn't know you guys had a different whole weather thing going on. It's summertime and it's 9.30 p.m. here on the East Coast. Absolutely. We are the opposite of the seasons that you have. So when it's beautiful and sunny and warm where you are, it's frosty here. So it's it's definitely fresh. However, the sun is shining today, so that's nice. Oh, good. What's the coldest it would get in Melbourne? Well, look, in comparison to New York right. and the East Coast, I was there in February when Make it was quite you know, oh, minus 12. It's really, you know, it really only gets down to – and this is going to be challenging because we have a different weather Fahrenheit Celsius thing going on too. So it really only gets down to maybe about 10 degrees here in Melbourne as the coldest, which is not 
zero in your scale. So we, it's definitely warmer. Our, our winters are not as harsh as yours by any imagination. Well, I promise I won't talk just about weather with you on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do have more interesting things to talk about, but thank you for that insight. Um, I'm a little jealous. But uh, Julie, I, I wanted to have you on the show. I've known you for um, a little while now. We connected through a mutual friend. You have an amazing coaching business in Australia. You have a digital magazine called Inspired Coach, and you were very generous. You asked me to be on the cover, which I had never been on the cover of any magazine before. Mm. Um, so that was a real honor for me. And I, I really admire you for putting out a magazine, a monthly magazine. That's, that's enough work in and of itself. Well, it sure is. And we're now actually putting them out every two weeks. So it's, yeah, it's even more. And we loved having you on the cover of Inspired Coach. It was a fantastic addition and you made for a hot cover girl. It was great. (laughs) All right. I can put that to my, I can add that to my LinkedIn page, hot cover girl. (laughs) So Julie, you are a life coach. And I think that that is an industry that is relatively young, would you say? Or maybe we are just more aware of the fact that there are life coaches out there, that we can become life coaches, that we might need a life coach. Life's kind of complicated. Um, mm-hmm. we, may, we maybe don't need a therapist, but we need, we don't need a business coach. We don't want um, any other kind of help, but particularly maybe we do want a life coach. So tell me, let's start there. What is it that you do, especially as a life coach, and um, how does it differ from other types of of mentoring and coaching that's out there? Mm. Well, I think the answer to your question, Fanoush, is it's yes to both. Life coaching is a relatively young industry. It's only about 20 years old. And I first trained to be a coach 16 years ago. So I was kind of not right at the early, early adopter stage, but very in the near beginnings. But also, yes, we are now that the industry is becoming more established, so much more aware of all different types of life coaches. So I started out my uh, business and career as a life coach and then eventually moved into life and business coaching. And now we're training life coaches at the academy, which is fantastic because I passionately fell in love with coaching and what it could do for people. And essentially, you're, you're absolutely correct that life is complicated and as evolved and higher consciousness human beings now we want more from life than to just you know kind of be born go to school maybe get married collect the gold watch at the end of 40 years in a company and that's it you know retire and move away we actually want to do really amazing things with our life you know we want to have a legacy we want to be surrounded by beautiful soulful friendships we maybe want to start a business or and we want to be healthy and vibrant and feel amazing in our skins and bodies and that's just for starters and those are all of the sorts of things that life coaches can help someone do and you're right it doesn't necessarily mean that someone has to go to a therapist for that and I feel really confident in saying that because I actually trained as a therapist and was one for many years before I became a life coach. So it it's a really exciting and dynamic industry and I just love the 
Conversely, the incredible impact it can have on someone's life, but also the type of life that coaches themselves can lead if they're really passionate about working with people in this way. Your personal story is very inspiring. And just reading a little bit about your background, uh, clearly you have triumphed uh, personally in your life. You have overcome um, what some might say are uh, just adversity. You know, you had a single mom, you uh, raised on welfare, you uh, mm-hmm. were making minimum wage when you um, were uh, working as in the beginning as a social worker. Um, how did you make this journey to the point where now you are making almost, you know, seven figures, your business is doing wonderful, you're a life coach. Can you connect the dots a little bit for me? Clearly, (laughs) you were your own life coach during this journey. Or maybe did you have someone that was, that was, that was guiding you in a way? Mm. Well, I think, you know, part of it, I I have done myself because I think anyone, you know, and you would include yourself in this fundage that has created a successful business. You know, it doesn't matter who you work with on the outside. It, it is about an internal drive and passion and what you bring to that that's the most important thing. But, oh, my goodness, yes, I have worked with many coaches and at different times therapists as well throughout my life to help me uh think more positively, to help me feel more connected to myself, to build my confidence, to work on myself and my business and the level of service that I give to people. And so I haven't done it alone. And then I've also been very blessed to be surrounded by a beautiful family and amazing friends who have always been supportive and and believed in me. But the uh, you know multiple six-figure business that I'm running now was certainly not you know, ever something that I really thought would be a reality for me when I was a young child and growing up with my sister and mum and she was a single parent, as you said, an absolutely beautiful, amazing lady who I owe so much to. Uh, But it was really tough because, you know, we really didn't have very much at all. And I think that that was where the beginnings of my relationship with money was really formed um, in those experiences of being raised in that environment where there was not very much. And, uh, you know, I will fully admit that in my early 40s now, you know, I sometimes still feel like I have some catching up to do with regards to, you know, living abundantly and, and having the business that we do now. And as you said, when I first started, you know, you don't earn very much when you're a social worker. It's really, it is really terrible, terrible pay for what is extraordinarily in-depth and emotional work with people. And so, it's taken a long time to to get to where I am now, but it it now feels really solid and and amazing. Well, you brought up uh, financial memories and financial lessons, and I would say what what kind of philosophy did that experience growing up shape for you around money? Now, as an adult, I think a lot of times our upbringing influences how we think about money as adults. What would you say is today your financial philosophy? Mm. I feel like I have a number of them actually, but in regards to the one that is most prominent from childhood, I think generosity 
is a huge financial philosophy of mine. Uh, our business has always passionately supported a charity. Uh, we try to be very, very generous with the pay that we provide to our staff and um, benefits and, um, you know, things for them just because I feel as though, you know, when I was growing up, there was not that abundant flow of money. Money was not in generous supply when I was younger. And even though I was incredibly generously surrounded by love and care and attention, which ultimately in the end I think is more important because the money can come later and often it comes out of those things, I think for me now it's become really important that anyone that is really meaningfully touching my life through my business or my personal life in some way that I adore being generous with people uh, as much as I possibly can. And I'm quite sure that that's come from that experience of really not being able to be terribly generous because we just didn't really have the money to be able to do that. And has the generosity boomeranged for your business? Have you retained employees? Have they helped you then go out and generate more business? How has it, um, other than just making you feel good, because I do that too with my Mm. employees. I try to take care of them and, um, you know, uh, if I can pay them as much as I can, but, Mm. uh, how have you seen that perhaps benefit you in other ways? Oh, it's most definitely boomeranged with, without question. Um, in so many different ways, I think it's absolutely helped us to retain incredible people and that's most definitely what we want because I think anyone that runs a business knows how hard it can be to find people who are really committed and loyal and um, fit in with the philosophy of what you're trying to do um, in your business. It's also just come about through attracting uh, really incredible people just into the general sphere of what we do and when we train our, in, through the academy pe- our people to become life coaches, one of the really strong philosophies that we share with them is just to be, especially in the early stages of building their business, to be incredibly generous in any way that they possibly can. And that is to give people their time to do pro bono coaching, to, to put out free um, guides and resources and meditations and anything that they feel that their ideal clients are going to benefit from because I certainly learned in the early stages of building my business that that generosity was incredibly attracting in so many different ways. And so I can't imagine it not being a part of the way that I run my business um, or encourage others to run their business at any point in time in the future. I like that. Generosity being perhaps a part of the law of attraction. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, would you mind sharing maybe a really uh, vivid memory of yours growing up that that really was a moment where you learned a lot about money that Mm -hmm. shaped the way that you think about money today? What happened? Where were you? What was the lesson that you learned? Mm. This is such a great question. And it really does take me back and I can just picture this in my head. I can even see myself wearing my little school uniform at the time. 
and my sister and I, we went to a small uh, public country high school and primary school as well. And I remember I was nine years old and I came home from school one day and my mum had a very somber look on her face and she said she needed to talk to me about something. And she took me into her bedroom and sat me on the end of her bed and she said, Jules, you know the school camp that's coming up. I'm really sorry to have to let you know that we can't afford to send you on that camp and so you're not going to be able to go. And I'm really sorry about that, but it is just the way that it is. That was the very first time in my life that I had ever had somebody say to me, we can't afford that, that I couldn't do something because of money. Now, I certainly knew that we were not rich, um, that we were not even comfortably comfortable, but there had never been a time where you know, if I had said that I had wanted a book or a toy of some kind, there was often a delay, as you can imagine, with a single mum. She'd say, well, your birthday's coming up or Christmas is coming up or, you know, something like that and would wait and then I would get it. And so I always felt like, you know, pretty much everything I had wanted and I was not one of those kids that asked, I suppose, for a lot, but I got it. And so this was my first experience of having mum tell me, you can't have that and we can't do that because of a lack of money. And that was a really defining moment for me because I remember feeling such sadness and anger and frustration and then later on that turned to shame Hmm. when I had to go to school um, because they wouldn't allow me to stay at home. I had to go to school and do work in the library while everybody else went Hmm. away on camp. And so that was incredibly defining for me. And at the time, of course, it was really devastating for a nine-year-old. But when I look back on it now, I truly do believe that was not just one of the most defining moments in my life in regards to money, but actually one of the most defining moments in my life full stop. Because when I had that experience, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to work so hard at school with my studies that I was going to go to university. Nobody in my family had ever been to university before and that I was going to get uh, a really great job and I was going to be able to take care of myself and I wasn't ever, ever going to be in a position where if I really wanted or needed something that I was not going to be able, that I was going to have to say to myself, you can't have that because you can't afford it. And that in turn, I think, allowed me to develop a real passion for entrepreneurship. And suddenly this incredible thought that I didn't have to have somebody else tell me what my work was worth, that if I worked for them, this was the salary that I was going to get. And that's what another stepping stone that really inspired me to start my business and understand that I could actually make as much money as I wanted. Wow. So really defining, really defining moment. How did this impact your relationship with your mom? Did it make mm. you, I mean, you were young. So now reflecting on this, you're thinking, wow, she must have really, must have been really difficult for her to say this to you. Um, must have been incredibly mm. difficult to uh, really afford this. She simply could not. She probably tried mm. lots of different ways to make it happen for you. At the time, though, how did it impact your perception of your Mm. mother? Did it, were you wise enough then to know? Oh, 
Absolutely not. I was furious <laughs> with her, Fabush. I was nine years old. What sort of pushed... objects did you throw at her? <laughs> That's really what no, I'm asking. There was no object throwing, but let me tell you, there were there were tantrums and tears and there were some slammed doors and you know, I was a real little diva about it, let me tell you, um, because I just didn't understand. And and now that I look back, I realise that as much as I thought that that situation was hard for me, it would have been 10 times harder for her because she was and she still is the most loving, giving, generous, incredible woman that I've ever met in my entire life. And so, I know that that must have been absolutely devastating for her and that devastation would have continued as she put me on the school bus to go to school all throughout that week knowing that I was going to sit in that library by myself while the kids all my and all my friends were away at camp. And it wasn't until years later that I found out that, and this was unbeknownst to me at the time, that after that experience, uh, she actually went into the school and spoke to them and said, uh, I know that there are going to be other camps and other excursions that are going to come up for both of my girls throughout their school lives. And I just want to talk to you right now, like for the next seven or eight years, about how we might be able to enter into some kind of financial payment plan to be able to make this happen. And I had no idea that she had done that. And I never missed a school camp or an excursion after it. So I only found out years later when I was well and truly into my 20s and we were looking at photos of the camp and then she raised it. And, yeah, let me tell you, there was a couple of tears there for sure. Oh, my gosh. I love your mom. I love my mom too. (laughs) I'm really upset with your school though that they they kind of segregated you like that and they kind of um, – I remember a story when I was growing up. I remember every morning after we'd – uh, saluted the flag and done all of our morning rituals, the teacher would call out a few names. And I didn't really ever understand what was the deal with this, but she would call out a few names, always the same names, and they would the kids would go up to her and she'd give them these cards. Usually they were yellow laminated cards and they would put them in their pockets and it was their lunch ticket. And it was for kids who were, um, who couldn't afford school lunch. So this was the subsidized program they were on. And um, I didn't, I mean, I, 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 the earliest memory of this was when I was maybe in first or second grade. I didn't quite get it, but um, because maybe I was just naive, but I'm sure a lot of other people knew what was going on. And sure. for those kids, what a way to kind of just call them out. You know, these are yeah. the kids whose parents can't afford lunch. And here we are out in the open giving them their lunch card tickets. I just thought that was a there was probably a better way the school, the school could have handled that, you know, to just not let these kids feel different because of that absolutely. fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've, you're absolutely right. They could have done better with me too. Hopefully now they, they do know better. I mean, this was back in, you know, sort of the late 70s, early 80s, which kind of shows my age. But I, I don't really think that they would necessarily have thought a great deal 
about it, you know. Um, it, it was all I knew was that they just said, you cannot stay at home. If you're not going on camp, you can't stay at home. So, yeah, it was a, it was a challenging week, but, hey, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, you, you ran with that. Oh, yeah, experience. I certainly did. I was never, ever going to be. <laughs> I was never, you know, I remember thinking to myself distinctly if I ever have a family or anyone that I love and can help in that way, I am never, ever going to have that experience again and have to have that conversation with someone. Hmm. What uh, now your business is booming. We talked earlier, you mentioned your business is multiple six figures. You uh, are very generous with your, your employees. What would you say, though, is a failure that you experienced, a financial failure mm. of sorts? Yeah, look, I think the biggest financial failure or mistake that I made in the early stages of my business is actually just not investing back enough money into it. I think those initial rush stages of, oh my gosh, people are paying me you know, to do this sort of work with them. Well, I absolutely had a designer and a website and things like that. I was really hesitant to invest higher sums of money in working with amazing business coaches or strategists and things like that. And it took me a while to get there. And now that I look back, I, you know, I think we all look back at different times and go, gosh, if only I'd done that in the early days, goodness only knows where I'd be now. But I suppose everything happens in time and and for a reason. But I was definitely protective of not doing that in the early days. And I do consider that to be a mistake. And I now do share with people that, of course, without getting yourself into enormous debt, it's really important to invest in your own personal growth, your own personal development, and with people that are much more advanced in business and have got the smarts than you do to really help take you to another level. And as soon as I started doing that in my business, Mm -hmm. I absolutely noticed the incredible impact that it had, including on our bottom line. Yeah, you took your own advice. Mm, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and when and, and how quickly did you start seeing results when you did that? Oh, really, I think we started to see results within months, you know, particularly in, in the early stages where I was working with somebody that helped me a lot with technology and systems and flow in my business, all things that a social worker did not know how to do <laughs> and not even a coach knew how to do. Like my zone of genius and skill set was absolutely in being with people, one-on-one groups speaking. But as for all of the back-end stuff, that was not my forte at all. And it really wasn't until I started to work with somebody and get a lot of support and advice around that that I could see that we were losing money in different places that we didn't need to be and that there were ways that we could set things up that could really serve people and serve us too. So it was pretty quick. Okay, let's talk about success. You've had probably many a proud moments. What would you say is your so money moment? Hmm. Yeah, there have been many moments and they all add up to, you know, a lot of joy in my life at the moment. But I think the biggest one it's probably about nine or ten months ago now when we had our first six-figure day in our business. That for that little girl that was nine years old um, and missed out on school camp was a pretty big day. 
when we launched uh, our classes for 2015 at that time and had a lot of people from all over the world enrol on that first day. And it was a day that was filled with lots of joy and tears and exhilaration, some disbelief um, (laughs) because we'd kind of said to ourselves, my husband works in the business full time with me and he's got an amazing um, accounting and and fabulous, um, you know, business brain and background, which is really fantastic and so helpful. And it was really incredible to have him there with me throughout that day as we saw more and more enrolments come in. We'd set ourselves the target that that's what we wanted to happen, but I don't think we ever really believed (laughs) in all honesty that we could. But this is what happens in life and business, isn't it? You set uh, something for yourself and you hope that it's going to come to fruition. You might never believe that it will, but then it actually does. And then you set a new benchmark for yourself. And that's absolutely what we're hoping to do from here on out. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) That is great. Yeah. uh, uh, Are there advantages to being in Australia when it comes to things like um, digital products, info marketing, uh, online uh, businesses. I know from I've actually connected with a few people in Australia who are just geniuses on this front. I feel like that there are many, many great resources um, mm-hmm. around you there. Well, that is so nice to hear because you know what? I think if you spoke to most Aussies, you'd actually <laughs> hear us say that we actually feel a little bit behind in regards to you guys from the US and even Canada because. The North American market has always been such a leader in the online world. And I still do think that's absolutely the case. But I think that the greatest thing that Australians and particularly Australian entrepreneurs have going for them is we have an insatiable appetite for learning. And because we are three quarters way round the other end of the world and right down the bottom, we are very, very aware that we have to have global businesses and we have to reach out to learn from people such as yourself and other amazing guests that you've had on So Money like Tony Robbins and Seth Godin and Danielle Laporte and Because if we don't, you know, we are cutting ourselves off from so much of what's happening out there in the world, which is truly amazing. And so we travel to conferences. We, you know, we've been to New York three times in the past year. We won't be doing that again anytime soon. (laughs) But we travel a lot and we reach out to learn from people in all different countries and areas and walks of life and business. And I think that that appetite for learning and development is something that often sees our businesses be really successful, which is great. That is great. I've never been to Australia. Oh, it's beautiful here, Fanoush. You should come. Maybe not right now because you're experiencing the winter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come come in your winter, which is our summer. Mm. Come and have a a warm Christmas. Okay. I'll think about it. Mm. I have a little little one. I'm scared to go on any flights with him. I mean, he's fine mostly, but it's just... 
the unpredictability of being with a small human being on a plane <laughs> in the middle of the of stratosphere. Um, yes. <laughs> for many ma- for many hours, Australia is not that close. You have to go to LA no. first. You know it. Yes. You know it's a long trip. Mm-hmm. It, it is a long trip. It's worth it. But yes, with a little one, it's, that's probably a pretty big consideration. <laughs> <laughs> what is your number one money habit, Julie? Mm. My number one money habit is making sure that I always have an ongoing, close and connected relationship with my money, both personally and in my business. And I kind of really don't see those things as separate anymore. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we look in our accounting system and our bank accounts every single day. I always want to be aware of making sure that we pay our bills on time, you know, usually well ahead of time, that we are nurturing and in touch with creditors if we have them, and that I have a full understanding of the flow of what is coming in and what is going out. And for some people, I appreciate that might sound over the top to be checking those things every day. But for me, what that creates is awareness and connection. I've seen a lot of people get into trouble with money a lot of times through lack of awareness and just pushing things away and not looking at the reality of what their financial situation is. And for me, that's something that I never want to have happen. So it's about really checking on things every single day, um, you know, in during the business week and making sure that I just feel really comfortable and okay with exactly where we are. I was going to ask in your practice with your clients, how often do money concerns come up as an issue, as a point of contention, emotional mm issues around money how often does that come up well i'm sure it's not going to surprise you at all Fanoush, to say that it comes up quite a bit not with everyone but it certainly does raise its head you know in lots of different areas people talking about relationships with their husband and spouses partners sometimes often money is a source of tension there Someone may want to change careers or start a business and obviously finances and financial considerations are a huge part of that. Uh, So many different things, you know, even in regards to people's health and well-being, you know, their access to money and disposable income is very, very important in what they may be able to achieve. You know, it's great to be able to talk about the benefits of organic food But if you're talking with somebody that maybe can't afford that, uh, genuinely can't afford it, then you've got to adjust. So money is something that comes up a lot. I did know that. I did know that. Of course you did. (laughs) But I wanted, I just, I I guess I, I didn't know. I like asking people who work in this space like you do because it's a different it's a different perspective that you get. Um, and it's I guess it's one of those things that does often come up. Are you ready for some so money fill in the blanks, Julie? I would love to. That sounds great. <laughs> You're such a fun sport. Okay. Um, first thing that comes to your mind, don't overthink it. Finish the sentence. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say just someone came and knocked on your door, dropped off $100 million, the first thing I would do is? Never travel economy again. 
<laughs> oh no, especially if you're coming to New York from Australia. I, I would not want first that for class. you. First class. First class all the way, baby. You might even be able to get your own plane. Yes, for $100 million, I think there's a jet in there somewhere. <laughs> certainly, certainly. Um, my biggest guilty pleasure is? I spend a lot of money on cheese. Cheese? What yeah, kind of cheese? Good, you, look like? good cheese, the really good cheese, the French stuff, the, the Belgian stuff. Nice. The yeah. one thing that makes my life easier or better is? Hiring great stuff. Yes, yes. Mm. The one thing I wish I had known about money growing up is? It is in abundant supply. When I donate, I like to give to blank because? I like to give to YGAP, which is Youth Generation Against Poverty, because they're social entrepreneurs that help young people in developing countries. I find that really inspiring. And I'm Julie Parker, Jules Parker, and I'm so money because? Oh, because I love money and use it in a way to serve people and help them create an amazing life. I love it. Julie Parker, thank you so much for joining us, especially because I had to reschedule this call because I had bad technical difficulties the first round. And you were so kind. It was one o'clock in your the morning on your end. And so I'm I'm letting my <laughs> listeners know this because if we don't already oh. love you, we will love you even <laughs> more knowing this story because you really are generous in so many ways with your time, with your money, with your ideas, with your with everything and where you are doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Oh, thank you, Fanoush. I really appreciate that gorgeous wrap and it's been lovely to talk to you and I would never have not rescheduled for a chance to chat with you. <laughs> I hope that many listeners come your way and um, and I will think about making that trip to Australia and if, the, if I do, I will be giving you a call. Oh, please. I would be devastated if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Julie, and uh, wishing you continued success, more six-figure days in your future. Thank you so much, Fanish. What a great interview. Thank you so much to my guest, Julie Parker. If you'd like to learn more about her, the website is beautifulyoucoachingacademy.com. She's also on Twitter at underscore Julie Parker. All this information over at somoneypodcast.com. And while you're there, send me a question. Every Saturday and Sunday, I respond to your questions and comments. Just click on Ask Farnoosh while you're at the homepage and submit your query. And if you'd like to connect with me one-on-one, -on -one, there is an opportunity. You can leave an iTunes review. And then every Saturday, I pick one new reviewer, uh, one of the latest reviewers, to receive a free 15-minute money session with me. So if you'd like to connect with me one-on-one, -on -one, please leave a review and hopefully we will make it happen. Thanks again for tuning in and I hope your day is so money. Money.